Ian McLean, founder of Flow Group and Greenline Conversations. This podcast has grown out of the chaos that's been thrust upon us, and in it, I share the best of 25 years of helping leaders in business organizations deal and cope with change. So, as you're out there, busy making sense of it all, trying to cope, and repurposing your organizations, I'm hoping that some of this will provide some help, some of the time. I'll keep it deliberately short, because I know you're busy. Let's dive in. In the first podcast episode of 2022, I shared with you a whole manifesto for how to lead in the chaos of 2022. And it was like chapter headings in a book with a little bit of elaboration to explain. In this episode and future episodes of the season called the Manifesto series, we're going to build on each one of the principles in more detail, one at a time, so that by the year end, you'll have a full and comprehensive handbook for how to lead in chaos. We're going to start and work backwards. Where better place to start than at number 22, in the year of 22, which is the episode on happiness. After all, it's the foundation of our own well-being from which we can lead. Happiness is about having three things. Something to do, something to look forward to, and someone to love. It might seem unorthodox to include happiness as part of a leadership manifesto, but here's my experience. Happy, optimistic, positive leaders have more long-term sustainable success than their opposites. What is leadership actually? Well, as well as the responsibility for setting direction and expectations, the leader's role is to create the right impact and energy so that people can rise to the occasion. A happy disposition, in my experience of working with leaders, is far more likely to create that environment than a miserable one. Leaders can either create energy in their team members or destroy it. They either radiate energy or they drain it. They can light up a room either when they walk into it or when they walk out of it. In working with leaders over 30 years, in terms of impact, the single biggest influence on performance of any team is how the leader shows up. And whilst a happy, positive leader alone doesn't guarantee success, it does create a fertile soil in which a team's enterprise is more likely to flourish. Moreover, I've met very few sustainably successful, miserable leaders. Even beyond the impact of your team and those around you, from the angle of pure self-care, if you are happier, then you are far more likely to be positive, confident, bold, creative and energised, all of which is only going to help you with your cause. Which begs the age-old question, what is happiness? Happiness, as a distinction, is different to pleasure. Pleasure derives typically from the material, the new car, the clothes, the accessories, or the sensual, things like food, sex. What characterizes pleasure is that you get a spike in joy, and then it dissipates. The wrong-headed approach to happiness is to believe that when I get the car, or the job, or the promotion, or the apartment, or the partner, you fill in your own blank, 
then I'll be happy. This is like eternally pursuing a non-existent crock of gold at the end of the rainbow. People believe happiness is to be found outside of themselves, when in fact, the power to be happy rests within. Happiness is an inside job. Rick is a northern UK entrepreneur that I worked with who built up a successful packaging business over the years. After many years, he left school when he was 14 and much stress and effort, he sold his business for an eight-figure sum. He followed the dream of, when I sell up, then I'll be happy. He paid a heavy price along the way for the juicy reward at the end. After an absence of about two years, I met Rick once again over breakfast in London. And I asked him, so how's retirement? With a tired, resigned expression, he replied, he was from Hull. If I never see a seven-star hotel or white sandy beach ever again, it won't be a minute too soon. People pursue pleasure expecting happiness and are forever disappointed when it doesn't last. Our consumerist society only further encourages and perpetuates this. That way, happiness itself has a built-in obsolescence. People are kept on a never-ending treadmill, striving for more, better, slimmer, faster, richer. Perhaps the recently deceased Thich Nahan summarized it best when he said, there is no way to happiness. Happiness is the way. The happiness triumvirate is made up of components that individually help sustain our well-being and contentment. Individually, they're powerful on their own, but collectively, they're even better. The first thing is having something to do. The only moment you ever have in your life is the present moment. Past and future only exist in our minds, but they tend to dominate our thinking. In the fact that they only exist in our minds, they are, in fact, counterfeit. Only the present is a legal tender currency. As Deepak Chopra describes it, the past is history. The future is a mystery. This moment is a gift, which is why they call it the present. When I say something to do, that doesn't mean just anything, but rather something that has meaning for us, where we can be fully present and engaged. Whether it's solving a problem, learning a skill, playing an instrument, walking in nature, being totally immersed in something creates a mental state of flow. This flow state is described by athletes as being in the zone, musicians call it being in the groove, but whatever the label, the experience is proven to have a radically uplifting effect on both performance and on our mental health. In fact, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, author of the seminal work on happiness entitled Flow, found that comparatively, the state of flow outperforms health, wealth, and success as a generator of happiness. One of the curious consequences of lockdown was how many people discovered many things to do. Hiking, cooking, DIY, calligraphy, you've probably got your own version, which enabled them not just to survive, but to thrive in spite of the severity of the situation that was around us. 
Secondly, something to look forward to. One of the most negative impacts of lockdown, by contrast, was that the ability to revel in the anticipation of a future event was curtailed by necessity. It's long been established that anticipation is a key stage of happiness. Research is pretty clear that feelings are stronger when we think about future events than when we relive past positive experiences. Moreover, countless studies have clearly established that happiness levels anticipating an event, anything from a child waiting for Santa to planning an exciting holiday, exceed the levels of the actual event itself. 50% of traveller happiness occurs on the run-up to the holiday, versus only 35% when people look back, and, remarkably, only 15% of the actual trip itself. Having something in the future to look forward to helps us better bear any mundanity or misery we might be experiencing in the present. It brings hope. So whether it's ticking something off your bucket list, reuniting with a friend, or just looking forward to a coffee break at 11, anticipation adds to our overall contentment. Someone to love. One of the harshest consequences for many during the pandemic has been the separation people have had to endure from their loved ones. Love has been consistently identified in studies over the decades as one of the most accurate predictors of happiness. A Harvard study, which has been conducted or started in the 1930s, it's famous as one of the longest-running studies of all time. It set out to understand the source of happiness over a whole lifetime. It tracked the lives of 268 graduates from Harvard right up until the present day, at least for those who are still alive. By 2009, George Valiant, who directed the study for over 40 years, concluded that what contributes to health and happiness in later life includes exercise, moderate drinking, staying mentally active. No surprise in any of those attributes. However, all of those other attributes pale in significance when compared to one thing, love. When he described love, it means being in a stable, long-term romantic partnership. Far from emphasizing the high-octane dizzy fizz of falling in love, which is different, it instead pinpoints what psychologists describe as companionate love and a more stable affection based on mutual understanding and commitment. Positive social interactions literally produce chemical endorphins in the brain that reduce anxiety and depression, increase our well-being, and make us feel happy about ourselves and our lives. We all know that feeling of connection and what it feels like after we've spent some time with someone that we love and trust. And so, armed with the wisdom of many lifetimes' experience, it appears that love does actually conquer all. Until next time, stay safe, stay sane, stay connected.